Thank you, Sandy. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossview Rosa Parks, and we are so glad to have you with us today. How many of you had a chance to watch the West football game yesterday? All right. Congratulations, Westies, right? Scarlets. Nice job. Um, so they won the state championship uh, for Minnesota High School Class 5A, I believe, right? Thank you. I got a nod from one of our uh, students over at West. Um, so nice job on that. Um, and then, of course, the other one that was fun uh, yesterday, for those of you who are Minnesota fans, the Minnesota Gophers finally beat the Wisconsin Badgers and brought home the axe. Way to go, Gophers. So I know we have some Gopher fans in our midst. Well, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you got to hang out with some family or you had some calm uh, in your house, whatever happened. Uh, we had some fun. Uh, we traveled out to see Sandy's family. I got out running. I got out swimming. Uh, I did a lot of swimming and running so I could stave off some of those extra calories that I ate. Uh, but Thanksgiving is a great time for us to remember, uh, to be thankful for the things that God has done in our lives. And so I was thinking about that uh, this weekend, and I was thinking just how grateful I am uh, that we get to do this whole thing, Crossview Rosa Parks. And, you know, it's been about two years that we've been on this mission uh, together. Many of you uh, have been here from the beginning. Uh, Two years ago, in November, we had our first preview service over at Crossview Howard Drive. We took over the great room and we did our first, very first Crossview Rosa Park service. Uh, so it's exciting to think about. Two years later, we are now here at Rosa Parks. We didn't know we were going to be at Rosa Parks, but here we are today meeting uh, and we are a church that is uh, connecting people to Jesus. So uh, it's just fun uh, to be doing that, reflecting back on that. I'm thankful for that. But you know, in March of 2020, we were getting ready to launch this thing. And of course, as you know, uh, blammo, the world flipped upside down. And suddenly, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Uh, we went online. We tried to figure out how to do online services. My kids were crazy awesome. Um, they literally ran all of the production equipment stuff that we did. Uh, they were amazing. Uh, but it was really hard to feel like we were doing well and to know if we were doing well. We had no idea who was watching, who was joining us. And it felt like, you know, it felt like we were sort of in a valley. We had no idea what we were doing. We, kn we didn't know where we were. And, you know, for Christians... It's easy to believe that God is with you when you're on the mountaintop, when you win the football game, or when you have like this success at work, or when things are going well in your marriage or your family. It's really easy to believe that God is with you when things are going well. When we were starting off, things were going crazy well here. We had tons of momentum. I felt like we were riding a wave of energy that Crossview had created in terms of the excitement around planting a new church in town. And it's easy to believe that God is with you when you're on the mountaintop. It's a lot harder to believe that God is with you when you're in the valley. And that's what we're going to talk about. When you're alone, when you're feeling like you're scared, when you get bad news, it's harder to believe that God is with you when you're in the valley. So in Scripture, valleys are places that Battles happen. You can read about battles happening in the Old Testament in the, in the valleys. You can read about people experiencing loneliness and depression in the valley. But also, the other thing that happens in the valley that's interesting is that it's often a place of growth. Spiritual growth for people. Bu a building of faith that happens in the valley. 
And so we're going to talk about that today. Because we experience God differently in the, on the mountaintops than we experience God in the valley. And we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we often get to know him intimately when we are in the valley. And so this is part of our Advent series, God with Us. This is our first week in Advent. I love Advent. I love Christmas. In our house, the debate is, when do we get to turn on the Christmas music? Well, this is our first Sunday, um, and Advent starts off with this Sunday, but it ends with Christmas Eve, the celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And in the same way that the Jews waited for the Messiah, for Jesus to come for the first time, we as Christians are waiting for the second coming when Jesus will come back again and set all things right. And so Advent is a time of preparation, a time of waiting and getting ready for Jesus to come again. It's a reminder that Jesus is the light in the world. So it's really important. We have this idea in Christianity called the incarnation. It's a theological idea that we have in Christianity. And what it means is it means God among us or God with us. And this is going to be our key verse for this series. We're going to be uh, talking about Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And in it, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The incarnation is God coming and being among us. Emmanuel means God is with us. And th that is what we're going to be talking about each of the weeks in the coming uh, weeks of Advent. So it's a great time to invite friends because... We're going to be talking about God being with us. And typically speaking, this is the time of year where friends will come to church, many for the first time on Christmas Eve. So a great opportunity for us to invite friends, even more so than Easter Sunday. Uh, so think about who you might invite to join us this Advent uh, or Christmas Eve season. All right, so we're uh, going to jump into Psalm uh, chapter 84, uh, verses 5 through 7. If you want to open your Bible, you can join us, or we'll have it up on the screen or online uh, with you. This is a song of ascent, uh, which means that it was a song or psalm that was sung as they were traveling along the road to Jerusalem. Uh, as they took their journey to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. Uh, so this is one of those songs and we're going to look at a few verses and get an idea of what was happening in the larger picture of this song. And you can read the rest on your own. So we're going to start in verse 5. It says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the, <coughs> as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So let's start off with that really big word, Baca, kind of strange, val the Valley of Baca uh, word, and kind of talk a little bit about what that means. So this is not likely a specific location. You know, like we're in the Minnesota River Valley, and if we said the Minnesota River Valley, everybody would know. Like, oh yeah, I know where the Minnesota River Valley is. You can look it up on a map. This is not a specific location. That word Baca means weeping or crying. And uh, it also could refer to kind of these bush-like trees uh, that you would find in the desert. So likely this is more of a metaphorical valley. 
a valley of weeping or a valley of arid, uninviting place that you really don't want to be when you're on a journey. So as you think about that, this is a song for the arid places in life. This is a song for the uninviting places on the journey of life. And verse 5 begins off by saying, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And this is a really hard kind of truth for a lot of us here in the Western world to kind of grapple with. You know, because we're taught to be independent. We're taught and we admire the self-made person. We love the person that can pull themselves up by their bootstrap and make it in life all on their own. And the problem is, what happens when you reach the end of yourself? Where do you go at that point in time? There's nowhere else to go. And so what's interesting about this psalm is it does not say, blessed are those who make it on their own. No, it's blessed are those whose strength is in you. So we're created to be dependent creatures. I'll say that again. We are created to be dependent creatures. People who depend on God and who depend on others. As Christ followers, we're called to depend on Jesus. We're called to depend on God and we're called to depend on our community of Christ followers. And the good news is that God is with us. If we're going to depend on him, it's good news that God is with us. And interestingly enough, the first four verses in this psalm actually talk about how blessed are those who are in the temple. And in their thinking, this is where God dwelled. This is where God's house was. So in the first four verses, it talks about blessed are those who are in the temple, who are in God's presence. But verse 5 changes everything. It's not just blessed are those who are in God's house. It's blessed are those whose strength is in you, Lord. So now, you don't have to be in the temple anymore to receive the blessing. If your strength is in God, you get the blessing. You see how that flips it upside down? It's totally different than what they expected. It's not just for those in the temple. And Advent is one of those seasons that reminds us that God is with us. The incarnation reminds us of that. Matthew 1.23 reminds us that Jesus, Emmanuel, means God is with us. So you don't have to be in the temple. You don't have to be here on Sunday morning. God is with you if you are putting your strength in him. And that's how we get through the valley. We put our strength in Jesus. We look to our community to remind us that in God's strength, we can make it through the valley. So the question is, when you are in the valley, who or what do you depend on? Because we're going to get to the valley. You're going to go through the valley at some point in life. And the question is, who or what are you going to depend on? And is it yourself? Is it God? Or is it your community? And if it is your community, is your community pointing you to God? So if the first key in the valley is depending on God, the second is setting your mind on God. And the second part of verse 5 said, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And the idea of pilgrimage is this idea of a journey, specifically a journey towards God. And so we could think of this as, Blessed are those who are journeying toward God. 
Because here's the thing. Your circumstances may put you in the valley, but you can still set your mind on God. So when you're anxious, set your mind on God. When your heart is racing, when, you, when your soul is aching, set your mind on God. When your emotions are racing, set your mind on God. Because the valley is not the destination. In fact, verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley. As they pass through. Isn't that interesting? That idea that the valley is rarely ever the destination. But it is part of the journey. This uninviting, arid, lonely, dry place. It's part of the journey. But it is not the destination. In fact, Psalm 23, another valley passage, has this to say. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and some versions say the, the valley of the shadow of death, so literally dealing with death, even though I walk through that valley, I will, feel, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Even when we go through the darkest valleys in life, we can remember Matthew 1, verse 23, that God came down, lives among us. God is with us here in this place, and it gives us a new perspective. It reminds us that the valley is not the destination. It's not where we're going. I'm just passing through. We have a better destination in mind, a heavenly destination. In fact, Hebrews 13, uh, verse, chapter 13, verse 14 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, talking about this world, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We look forward to the day when we get to be with God forever. And so the question is, where is your mind this Christmas? As you go into this Advent season, where is your mind? When you have too much to do, when your marriage feels like it's not going well, when you're struggling to figure out how to pay for Christmas when inflation is rising and everything seems to be out of control, where is your mind fixed? Is it on Jesus? The next line in our psalm says this, make it a place of springs. So how do you make a dry, arid valley a place of springs? Well, interestingly enough, the King James version of this maybe helps us out a little bit. It says, make a well. When you're in a dry valley, you make a well. You make a container. And here's the thing. You don't fill the, the container. I don't fill the container. God is the one who fills the well, who fills the container. And then what's interesting is the next line in the verse 6 says, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. So the dry valley may be very dry and arid right now, but there will come a time when it will be covered with pools of water. That word also could be blessing. So in the midst of this psalm that's all about dryness 
And there's a sadness about this. There's a sense of loneliness or desperation. There is a promise that God will send the rain. This dry valley will, in fact, become a place of pools. It happens when God sends the rain, though. And so the question for us is, do you know that God is your provider? Do you know that God is the one who provides for you, or are you trying to make it on your own? It's not me, it's not you, it's not anyone else. God is our provider. And I can tell you that the rain is coming. I can't tell you when it's coming. Uh, I can't tell you, tell you if it'll happen in your lifetime or my lifetime. But I think we can see in Scripture that God will send the rain and there will be pools of water. It may not happen until the second coming of Christ, but we look forward to that day. And the question is, what do we do while we wait for the water to come, while we wait for the rain? We dig a well. We make a container. And I want to be careful here. This isn't a prosperity message like, hey, if you dig it, he'll fill it. That's not what we're talking about today. We don't know when God's going to fill it, when the rain's going to come. Uh, That's not part of the deal here. But when we make a container, when we dig a well, when we're doing that kind of work, I think it helps us. It helps us because it gives us hope. It gives us something to do in the meantime. And we do it because we trust that God is our provider. We trust that God will provide whenever it is. We don't know when, but we trust that God will provide for us. Another thing I think that's interesting about this is, you know, we often read this in a Western world, again, with an individual mindset. It's like all about me. Like when I, you know, dig my well, you know, it's going to fill my well up. This is actually written to a community. This is written to the people of God. So God's going to send the rain for the people of God. And I don't know what it's going to look like in your individual life. But together, we can work at digging a well. We can work at that together. It gives us hope. And how do we dig a well? What does it look like? We're not going to grab our shovels to dig a well here. We're we're not going to break up the floor here at Rosa Parks. No, I think we can take our cue from the Israelites in this psalm. This was a song that was written for dry valley experiences. And so what did they do? They sang the song as they walked through the dry valley. So what do we do when we're going through a dry valley? We sing songs. We sing worship songs that remind us of God's hopefulness for us. Some of them remind us of the someday when Jesus is coming back, the second coming. Some of them remind us that God certainly gives us good things here in this life as well. So we too can join with the Israelites in singing songs, singing worship songs that remind us that God is going to send the rain and that the dry valley will be filled with pools of blessing. We can also remember God's faithfulness. This is part of what's happening in this psalm too, is that they are reminding themselves of God's faithfulness in the past. When we look back, the best indicator of what's going to happen tomorrow is what happened yesterday. And when we see God doing his good work in people's lives yesterday, we can look forward and say, yes, God will do that again. And then um, we can also remind ourselves of God's truth. Sometimes we forget, sometimes we get caught up in lies, and we need to be reminded of God's truth. And so in this psalm, we're reminded that God is with us in the valley. We're reminded that God is our strength when we are weak. And we're reminded that God is our provider. 
And it's all of these truths that help God-seekers to live out verse 7. And verse 7 is really a great summary of what it looks like to, to walk through the valley. It says, They go from strength to strength till each person appears before God in Zion. And again, it's God's strength that carries us on, not our own. And it's this reality that God is with you, helping you pass through the valley. Until we finish this life and reach our ultimate destination, eternity with God. It's a hopeful psalm psalm for us. It's a hopeful song for us in the midst of the dry valley. So as you walk through this Advent season, I want to encourage you, when you feel like you're in the valley, when things feel difficult, when you feel like you're overwhelmed, I want to encourage you to seek God's strength. To do that, you've got to recognize your own limitations. I can't do this on my own. I need someone else. I need God to help me. And know that you're not meant to to go it alone. We need each other. We need our community to do this. Reach out to others that are on the journey. That's part of what the Israelites were doing as they walked through this journey. They were singing this song together to remind each other. They needed each other. They knew that they needed to seek God's strength, not their own. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to set your mind on God. You can do that through Bible study, through prayer. You can do that through worship. But when you're in the dry valley, set your mind on God. Focus on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, as the author of Hebrews tells us. And then know that God is your provider. Know that God is the one who sends the rain. You can work on making a container, but God is the one who's going to send the rain. You can listen to worship music. You can remind yourself of God's faithfulness. You can remind yourself of God's truth. And those will help you gain hope and trust that God will be your provider. Because this Advent season, like any other season, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we often get to know him intimately in the valley. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for this psalm, for this song that reminds us that you are with us. We thank you for your gospel story, the book of Matthew that tells the story of your son, Jesus, coming to earth to live among us, to be with us. And when we go through life's valleys, when things get difficult, remind us that you are with us. Help us to seek your strength. Help us to put our trust in you, to, to set our minds on you, um, and help us to remember that you ultimately are the one who provides for us, for our community. Amen.